Good time of day, everybody, and welcome back to WKNC's Brain Trust. I'm your host, Lucas, and I'm bringing you the 10th episode of my show. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are up to double digits. Let's celebrate. Uh, so for today's episode, I have to start off with a little bit of a content warning because what we're going to be talking about today is a little a little iffy. It can be a little tricky for some people to hear about, for some people to talk about. Today, we are going to be talking about mental health and how NC State has dealt with the rapid decline of student mental health over the years. Uh, so just for a fair warning, that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Uh, so trigger warning, we will be talking about, uh, we'll be talking about suicide, uh, depression, uh, you know, declining mental health, things related to that. Uh, so if you feel that you may be uncomfortable with this topic, I do not recommend going forward with this episode. And if you do, then you'd love to hear what our guest has. So to start everything off, guest, please introduce yourself. Hello, um, my name is Caden Miller. I'm a freshman at NC State um, in my second semester here. Um, on campus, I'm a Caldwell Fellow and a Franklin Scholar. Um, which are just two of the organizations that I guess I'm part of. Um, I'm interested in the interdisciplinary, um, uh, in an interdisciplinary approach to engineering. And I think part of that is what we're talking about today, which is we need to be more open with, with how we're feeling and, and how we're living so that we can, um, we can be healthy physically and mentally. Um, so I am, uh, just to get it out there, I am pretty connected to this issue. Um, I had a, I lost a friend last semester um, by suicide, and 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 it has been a really tough time um, for myself and for I know all the other people that have been affected. Um, I've been laser focused on you know talking to people, learning as much as I can about this issue um, since this start of this new semester. I really wanted it to be a new start for me and to have a, and have a good positive spin on a pretty on a pretty negative experience. Um, and, you know, I believe that change without persistence is impossible. So here I am persisting. Beautiful. Well, Caden, it's amazing to have you here today on my show. Very glad that you agreed to talk about this. I know it can be tough, but I know you are definitely one to have your voice out there and have it heard. So props to you. Un unlimited. Amazing. Um, I also just realized... I've done this before, but I forgot to introduce myself. But uh, <laughs> So I'm your host, Lucas. I'm from also a freshman class of 2026. I'm from Long Island, New York. And I personally don't have a, a lot of experience on this today, but hopefully Kaden will, will be able to enlighten me and enlighten you all on this issue. Uh, so to get us started, Kaden. Would you be able to describe the current mental health services available to NC State students? Yes, I can to the best of my ability. It is a very tricky question, though, because of how rapidly things or how unrapidly things are changing and, and the direction that things are going. Um, we've received a number of reports from administration and from student government detailing the kind of uh, processes and um and just generally mental health related services that the university is providing. And I will tell you all about them as I know them. Um, but you know, my general feeling towards it is that there are uh, lots of mental health services at North Carolina State University. Um, 
And in my opinion, that isn't really the problem. I, I didn't think that when I started learning about this issue, but I, I believe it now um, because I've had the chance to talk to students who are utilizing the service, the chance to talk to, talk to students that are not utilizing the service, and actually the people that are, are giving it in the first place. Um, the issue is that we have, you know, we have clear issues in this university and students don't really seem to be utilizing um, the, these services at the rate at which they might need them. Mm -hmm. um, and there's many reasons for that that I would definitely would like to talk about later. Um, but first of all, we should talk about- Right, like these services, yeah. what yeah, yeah, yeah. are they? So one of the, the biggest, like I guess, dollar sign things that the university has started is this program called Academic Live Care. And it's 24 seven third party health support um, through the Academic Live Care, it's, it, it's a company. Um, they're a .com. And basically what that allows you to do is to get in contact with telehealth through either your insurance or through the school's insurance that they make, that they require all students to have. And um, they do urgent care, therapy, psych psychiatry, and uh, even nutrition counseling. And all of those services are available through academic life care. I think that that is a great thing. Talking to students, I have never met someone that has utilized academic Yeah, I was just about care. to say, I've actually never heard about that. Absolutely, yeah. Like I, I didn't <laughs> even know that was what it was called, and I didn't know it was. I figured something like that was available to us, but uh -huh. I didn't know that's exactly what it was. Right, and 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 we're basically. I'm probably that's going to be the trend as I tell you all of these <laughs> things because yeah, like what? Our, what did you say? What did you say? Exact. Yeah, the school is putting the resources into student services, but that might not necessarily be the problem, and we, we'll talk about it. But. In, count, in the counseling department, so we have two separate counseling services and prevention services, and they work in the same building, but they are separate departments. So um, counseling services, the changes, they, they offer um, counseling up to 12 sessions a month, and then if needed, um, they can provide unlimited counseling uh, as long as their counselors are available, um, which is really good. Um, the counseling services also does a little bit of training with faculty. Um, they do this thing called question, persuade, refer, which has been kind of started this year. Um, and that's about suicide prevention, prevention. And it, it's basically a training framework that they're giving to faculty. The Q question, the person about suicide. Do you have suicidal thoughts, feelings, ideation, um, persuade the person to get help. And that's basically, um, that's basically where we are right now. Um, we, the people that need help, um, unfortunately, a lot of the times need to be persuaded to get help because of how touchy and sensitive the issue is. And then the R stands to refer for help, um, which is, you know, if the person is unwilling to get help or needs help getting help, um, mm -hmm. it is pretty much your responsibility right. as a good person to, to help right. them Right, you out. can't just let somebody who's, you know, fighting this fight to just do it alone, especially if they're refusing to get help, you have to, you know, stick out for them and get them support. Yeah, it can be very challenging, um, you know, with the issue of mental health. There's this idea of, um, I'm actually blanking on the word, but it is very difficult, and I know this through my lived experience, to actually sometimes even understand your own state of mental well-being because you're not really able to think rationally when you're experiencing like a high level of emotional distress and when that high level of emotional distress over a long enough amount of time can cause chemical imbalances in your brain. So it, it can sometimes be very hard for the person who's experiencing distress to even recognize that they need help themselves, which is the purpose of QPR. So then 
That's interesting that you bring that up. But do you think somebody would be able to, like you say, they wouldn't be able to notice, but do you think that if they thought, they, they tried to understand their mental state and then realized, oh, I'm not really, I'm not really getting it. Like I keep spiraling or I can't figure out what's going on in my own head. Do you think maybe they would be able to realize, oh, I think I'm not in a very good mental state because of the fact that they can't think rationally. They have, they might be like, oh, this has, and then they actually start to think maybe they can become a little more uh, self-aware. They're like, oh, this has actually been happening for a while. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, the word that I was blanking on is insight. That is the um, that is the word, and it's not that pe- they definitely understand that they're feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely understand that, but it can be very hard to understand often, maybe the root cause, you know, mm-hmm. or, or or just once you're in a state of of feeling, you know, feeling a depression, it can be hard to get out of bed. It can be hard to brush your teeth. It can be mm-hmm. hard to wake up in the morning. Right. To go to a counselor and say, hey, I have depression, that's almost off the table most of the time. You know what I mean? Because they just kind of push it off. It, it's just the nature of the condition. It's like when we have a, when, when your arm is broken, it's very obvious that your arm is broken. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious what to do. You need to go to the emergency room and, and get a cast, right? right? But when there's something wrong with your brain, when there's something wrong with how you're perceiving the world, or when, honestly, you've just been beaten down by life over and over and over again, it, it, it's challenging to have insight into how severe your condition may be because you, if you're in that condition for long enough, you oftentimes can forget how you used to feel. You forget your baseline, mm-hmm. and now you, this is me now. Right. Um, which can be extraordinarily challenging. And, and um, you know, I've experienced some of that myself. You get you feel so bad for so long that you f- forget that it's a problem because right. it just feels like it's part of you. You know, that's actually interesting because I do that sometimes. Like, you know, like people say like seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, now you say it, it might have been seasonal depression. This was like two winters ago, I think in uh, like 2021. Actually, this wasn't even like pandemic, COVID related. It wasn't anything like that. It was... Um, we went went you know we went through winter um particularly boring winter nothing really happened i mean i started i started working then mm-hmm. um but then all of a sudden it got warmer out it got, it became you know spring came summer came it started getting warmer out and then i i started to feel like my head started to feel i didn't i want to i don't want to say i felt lightheaded but like i felt like a weight had been lifted off of my brain and i was like that was weird mm-hmm. that was that was weird. I've never, huh? Yeah, that's, that's totally probably, odd. And then what I did after that was, um, I'm gonna. I said to myself, I was like, I want to try to like remember what this feels like, so that on any random given day, I can just think to myself, like, am I feeling like how I was this one random spring in 2021? Because right. I was feeling pretty good. I, I felt normal. I felt like me for some reason. Like mm-hmm. I. Completely out of nowhere. Maybe I was just really missing the sun that winter, which honestly I didn't think of. I would, because I'm a I'm a big fan of winter. Like it's 86 degrees out today. Oh my god. Well, you're from Long oh Island. Oh my <laughs> god, I was ugh, dying today. I do not drink enough water to live here. It's gonna kill me. It was I so I I was bored and I checked the weather what it's like at my house. It's 47 degrees at my house. <laughs> 47, and I was. 
sad. I was like, man, I miss that. I wasn't mean, sad. I was a little bummed out, but mm-hmm. but you know, it's actually interesting you bring that up because I was like, I've done that before. That's actually so interesting. Yeah, I, I I thought I was the only one that I was like, well, I, mean, I didn't think I was the only one, but like I didn't really think I was like, I I thought it would be proactive to say like, let me try to remember what this is like. Mm-hmm. So now like on some random days, maybe I've had a a long day. And then I'm sitting in my room and I'm contemplating my day. And I'm like, oh, that was a bad day. That was a really terrible day. I need to need to unwind for a little bit. I need to, you know, contemplate what happened today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I'm not feeling like me. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, brought that up. I think it's, a, I think it's, I honestly hadn't really thought about that. But if you are a person that you don't think that you've experienced depression, but you have experienced that seasonal change, mm-hmm. that is probably, in my experience. It's like a, it's like a, like there, a temporary, yeah, you know, it's like I a, feel like a bum. You know what I mean? Like you don't feel kind of sad. Yeah. And seasonal depression is very real. Right. right. Um, definitely proven by science, uh, just by, by sheer nature of, you know, you're not getting as much vitamin D, you're spending more time inside, you're more yeah. likely to be less social, you're more likely to get sick. I mean, Seasonal depression is very real, mm-hmm. um, and I get yeah that is a fantastic way to connect I suppose with the idea um, of just depression in general. But w- and when that sun comes up, it's like y- you feel great, you feel like yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like I've I've been down in these dumps. Right. But when you were down in those dumps, you felt sad, but you probably didn't realize it. You, you didn't realize that you didn't feel right. like yourself. Right. Like, like I only realized when you know winter was over and spring came, and I was like, oh, that was. That was weird. Yeah. I didn't. And then I realized I was like, I started feeling better. And I was like, I haven't felt like this in months. What happened? Yeah. And then I realized I was like, oh, that yeah. was that seasonal depression. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. And so that you're perfect. I, for, I can't believe I forgot the word, but you're perfectly describing insight. That is what insight is. Right. And that's the power of QPR training if people are actually doing it. Um, but people are not taking advantage. People are not taking it seriously. Um, and we... Uh, Everybody cares about the issue. Everybody looks at it. You know, when the 11th, uh, I'm sorry, trigger warning, but when the 11th student dies at NC State, like, it, the, at a certain point, people start to think that the problem is bigger than themselves and, and, and stop trying because it mm-hmm. feels so defeating. But that is just going to cause things to spiral more, and I'm worried that that's where things are going, and that's why I'm being more vocal now than ever because our problems are not stopping, but they're getting quieter. And that is an issue for me. Um, and I'm very glad that you have me here today. To just Amazing. I'm, I'm very glad that we're talking about this. I really hope this episode gets out to a lot of people. Cause I do too, man. That would be really great to talk about. So we also have, that was counseling services, and right, that's right, what right. they're doing. Um, yeah. Oh, you're right. There's more services. <laughs> yeah. There's um, more, ladies and gentlemen. We promise. The help is out there. It, it is out there. You, Unfortunately, we just have to to seek it out ourselves. Um, I've, I've spoken at length um, with Emily Anderson. She's the director of prevention services, and she is fantastic. Um, the people in both of these offices, counseling services and prevention services, understand these issues well. They're professionals. And they are doing the best that they can. Um, so, you, what, so you, when you specify, you emphasize best that they can. Do you are you you know suggesting there's something limiting our NC State health professionals from helping the students? I believe that NC State does not allow the healthcare professionals to do everything that they want to do, 
um, not specifically under Emily Anderson because I don't want to name any names or throw anybody under the bus, but a number of people that I've spoken to are like, yeah, this is a great idea. But unfortunately, NC State is a big ship is what I always keep hearing. and A big ship? A big ship. So it's like a metaphor. It's like it, literally if you picture like a cargo ship, it's so big and so heavy that it takes a lot to make it turn. It, or it also like they also use right. the phrase it takes an act of Congress and which I'm which I'm sure everybody in America understands. Yeah. It, it means that things don't happen um, because right. there's so much red tape and bureaucracy through everything. We're at a public university, we're at a research university, and not a mental health university. Right, it's big STEM school. Yeah, so that is a a big part of the problem. There are people at this university that I think have unitary authority, one in particular, but for some reason I, I don't see them as passionate about this issue as I am. Um, and I, my perception could be wrong, um, but and I hope it is, but I just feel like people care, but caring and willing are different things. Mm-hmm. And this school wants to expand rapidly and they want to become a top-notch school and they are unwilling, in my opinion, to put in the effort to provide top-notch academic and student services. I believe, um, and we could talk about this as much as, uh, as, as the day goes on, but I don't think the problems are student services. We'll keep talking about them, but there is good student services here. Mm-hmm. I think the problem lies in academic services and administration. Um, and that's just, originally, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, these services, there's no services. And then you do the research. Um, and there's services and, and they, everywhere. They exist. They're all over the place. Right. Um, there's a, there's support groups um, that I've attended a good number of, and those have been fantastic through prevention services. Angela Bowers does a fantastic job. Um, the prevention services also has mental health ambassadors, similar to how like the career center has career ambassadors. Mm-hmm. The career ambassadors are widely used. The mental health ambassadors tell me that no one is asking for them. Now, 98% of graduates from this school graduate with a degree. 40% of students that drop out do so because of mental health. So I I don't know. Like statistics like that really, really bother me. The fact that we have, you know, career ambassadors that are widely used and mental health ambassadors that are kind of pushed to the side and underutilized. And they have great workshops, training, presentations, forums, drop-in spaces, for doing things like building resiliency, coping with strength and anxiety, reaching out to people that you're worried for, how to deal with depression, how to deal with balancing course load with the effects of life, like all of these things. And I talk to them and they're passionate and they're great and they're willing to do the work, but there's no one asking them to do the work and they can't just insert themselves. Yeah, right. You can't just, you know, say to the student population, if you're depressed, come speak to us. Like that's yeah, that would definitely well, cause some issues. Back to the idea, back to insight. You know what I mean? People understand that they don't feel good, but sometimes, you know, it like we were discussing, it's hard to realize. Oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I have clinical depression, mm-hmm. and those are very different things. Especially because, like, what I did, what I you know went through, it was just like a few months in winter. I felt kind of down. Yeah, but, but these people are going through this very, very long stretch of time. What you were saying earlier, they've forgotten what it feels like. They've forgotten the sun. Yeah. Precisely. Right. Yeah, precisely. So you keep saying that it's not the it's not the student services that are a problem because obviously the services are there. Mm-hmm. The mental health professionals are there. They seem to know everything about anything, anything anybody could want to know about this. They know what to do. They're being held back. Mm-hmm. We will talk about 
uh, administration's, you know, I don't want, I don't want to say like lack of humanity, but oh, I would say that to to a certain extent. Um, right. not, not personally, but just overall, I think that's how institutions Pretty sure that's to, how it ends up going, yeah. That's how institutions tend to go. Right. So we will talk about that, definitely. But on the, on, so you say it's not student services, it's the people. Is there anything, so, you know, we know what, we know what administration can do. Mm-hmm. We know what administration can do. Administration can care. Yeah. We know what they can do. What are some other things you think we can do? Because I'm sure you have a lot to say about what administration can do. I'm sure you do. Yeah. But before we get to that, do you Absolutely. think there's anything else that we can do? Because obviously the services are on the problem. The services are there. The services are great. Mm-hmm. What can students do? Absolutely. I think students are more, you know, the university can, can, can try to, you know, fix these problems as best they can. And even though, in my opinion, they aren't doing that, that wouldn't do everything. I think that a, a larger part of the issue here is um, a, a culture slash stigma um, that seems to persist at NC State. Um, I've experienced it directly because um, of how many people that I've talked to about this, and everybody's kind of echoing that sentiment. One of the, I'm an engineer, so I can speak from an engineer's perspective. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, everybody has different problems, but. From my perspective as an engineer, we deal with a very tough, um, we deal with tough intro classes, right? And, and you know, maybe our grades are a little shaky because the, the school, it seems like, is purposely trying to weed people out. They literally called them weed out courses. I remember when the uh, MAE department was doing, because I'm doing aerospace engineering, so the MAE department was having their advising meeting for incoming MAE students. They say, okay. Just a reminder, you know, you need to code of this semester. Mm-hmm. Here are the classes you're going to be taking. Basically, here is what your next few years are going to look like in the MAE program. Mm-hmm. And they showed us a single slide. I remember the slide. I don't exactly remember what the courses were on that slide, but I'm pretty sure I could name a few. But I remember they specifically said these are the weed out courses. And this is the head of the advising for the entire MAE program. I don't know if she's still the advising head as of now, but at the time, the head of advising for MAE students said, these are the weed out courses. And I was kind of confused. I was like, why do you have weed out courses? It makes no sense. Why do you have weed out courses? You want people, like you said, 98% of students, whatever it is, they you said 90%? Graduate with a degree? The, of the people that graduate, particularly in NC State Engineering, there's like pretty much a 100% job placement rate. The people that don't get jobs don't want them. They go do something else like take a gap year. Right. Like, so yeah. they come out successful. Why wouldn't you want to better prepare them for that success? Like you said, 40% of the students that drop out, drop out because of mental health problems. And I'm sure a lot of that stress that happens, part of the mental health issues is just ridiculous stress from these weed out courses. Yeah, they mentioned really that at the time, that sounded completely normal to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. So it's a cultural thing. Uh, immediately yeah. that sounded, I was like, okay, that makes sense. The difficult classes, I, because I, I, what I, what all I hear about aerospace is it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. They always joke, haha, prepared to have no social life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if half of them are joking about that, but <laughs> I'll be fine, hopefully. But what they say is, oh, no, for what I heard for aerospace is it just gets harder and harder and harder. So the weed out courses to me seemed completely normal. I was like, okay, 
why not start off with because it's they, what they said is they didn't say the weed out courses because these are difficult and everything else is easy. They said these are weed out courses because these are the fundamentals of everything else you're going to be doing. So if you don't understand these things, you won't understand everything else. So the way they said it made complete sense to me. I was like, oh, weed out courses make a lot of sense. But then I don't know if it was you who said something to me about these courses, but it was like, actually, it might have been Lewis, my roommate, who was on, uh, for those who don't know, was on episode one, we talked about nostalgia, uh, got a great brain, Lewis. And uh -huh. you know Lewis too, yeah. obviously. He's a Ben Franklin, brilliant. just like you. He's a brilliant guy. He said, actually, this might have been recently. He said, like, the weed out courses are stupid. <laughs> why do you have a degree that progressively gets easier that makes no sense it makes no sense especially if somebody's going to go to grad school like I'm planning on doing hopefully mm -hmm. trying to like apply to like the accelerated program so I can do a master's in one year and hopefully save some money but he was like why have difficult courses up front and then you know people drop out they, they, they do a different degree they do this they do they can no longer achieve their dream they can't do their intended major because they failed these ridiculously hard classes for no reason and then imagine the effect on mental health especially for stem majors yeah obviously this is a stem school we are stem people mm -hmm. the whole it's it's been a long it's been known for a long time that you know like the whole it's like the um it's not like it's not like a, an archetype. It's it's like a, a personality. It's it's that it's that it's that overachiever that's mm -hmm. never failed in their life, and then they get their first failing yeah. test grade, and their entire world breaks down. Absolutely, and the school seems to be fostering that environment. Like you, from just knowing engineers, you have that like it, it's normally it's that like type A personality cluster where every you know things are in order, and we like math mm -hmm. because it makes sense to us, and it's all logical. And, and you've been, you, we have experience with, you know, classes in high school, even AP classes that, and, um, and IB classes that are challenging, but fair. Right. And then I'll speak from personal experience. I took AP physics in high school. I understand physics very well. Mm -hmm. I did very well on the yeah, exam. Me too. I am in physics right now. I understand the, well, other than angular momentum, which is a whole story for another day, I could. We actually I just started doing that. We like just started this past week. Yeah, and it was the one thing I didn't pick up in AP Physics, but I could have taught the whole class basically by myself. It the way Except that the way that the lecturer te teaches mm -hmm. it. Yep. Because I have taken AP Physics. That that does not translate to um, the tests or to really the homework because they just take everything and they just mock it up to a crazy level. So you're gonna originally, and I fought for this. You know we. They don't curve the tests. The tests are hard. They actually, didn't they curve the second test? They 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 added five points because one of the questions was bad. So that's not really. Um, but I know I helped a few of my friends yeah. from not failing. Yeah, but it, th that was because of a bad question. Like they don't curve the tests. They grade the homework for accuracy, and then like if you have a like it's all on WebAssign, which was created by an NC State physics professor. And if you make like if you put the decimal in the wrong place or you type, you know. If you don't put an uppercase E or something like that, you know, it takes one of your attempts and now you're, you have graded homework, uncurved tests, and that's it. Those are your grades for the class, maybe 5% participation or something like that. And then it's like, so I could have, I don't, I have, a, I have a B in physics right now, and I don't, I'm not complaining about that, but like I've had to work extraordinarily hard for that B despite understanding every concept going into the class. 
Like, it's frankly a little ridiculous because, and it's because Physics 205 is meant to be, like you said, a weed out class and they make mm. it hard for no reason. I, one of my friends, I'm, he's in my physics class. He was in my chemistry class last semester. He's been taking calculus. He's on, he was on the engineering track, you know, engineering mm -hmm. in first year intended engineering. He's now doing business. Yeah. You want to know why he's doing business? Physics, I'm sure. Physics. Yeah. Specifically physics. He did good in Calc 1. He's doing fine in Calc 2. He did great in Chem 1 and the lab and everything. He did fine in E102. He did fine in E115. Guess which class? He failed the first test. Guess what he's doing now? Business. Yeah. He is moving to business, and he is a brilliant kid, and he's going to business. Actually, I don't know if he failed the first test, but he's just not doing well in physics. Yeah. So he's now doing business. Yeah. And Congratulations, NC State. If an administrator, you're listening, congratulations, you got one. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. So it's like this idea that you talked about, is my life over because X didn't work out, because I failed physics, because I, you know, failed chemistry, yeah. because, you know, and these classes that are, that are poorly managed, there's 150 students in a lecture hall and one professor, no TA. You have labs where... The labs are ridiculous. They are so... Easy it's compared like, to the actual course, they are not relevant to the course. In the my slightest. AP labs were harder. <laughs> Literally, they were. Yeah, and they were. But then these were those labs were actually related to what we were doing in mm -hmm. class. And you know how they treat in, at NC State? You know how they're treating their lab graders, their lab TAs? They're on strike. The <laughs> yeah. TAs are still on strike. Yeah. I I remember it was like weeks. It was before spring break. This is before spring break. Like uh, you know like a month ago or so, mm -hmm. my lab TA started the day off. He's like, listen, guys, I'm not going to be grading everything anymore. We're on strike for better hours, better support, better pay. Mm -hmm. uh, so just letting you know, yeah. we're not grading your stuff. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah. We're, currently, we're currently fighting administration, and everybody in the class is like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> good for you, please. I think, I think it's great that they're on strike. What mm -hmm. you might be surprised to hear is that everybody that I've spoken to at this university has the same sentiment, even if they aren't going on strike. They don't feel supported by administration. They don't feel like their ideas are being heard. And traditionally, higher education is not a very high-paying field unless you're like a tenured professor. Right. So, you know, how can you expect someone to do a top-notch job at a top-notch resource research facility and not be able to pay them a top-notch rate? Right. And it's especially frustrating when students like us, I'm in state, I know you're out of state, so mm -hmm. it's even more pay and oh absorbent number God. amount of fees to where we the have the amount that I pay ridiculous to come to this school. And teach yourself physics. It's and teach yourself crazy calculus because the instructor hardly speaks English, no offense. Actually, no. My prof my professor, I lucked out. Okay. My professor <laughs> is amazing. Um, many students deal with that, though. Yeah, no. Yeah. I I really really feel bad for them. I am trying to help my friends that got some of the kind of bad professors. Mm -hmm. You know who you are. They know everybody else. They know who they are. Yeah. But I've been trying to help my friends out because I got a very good professor. But yeah. still, people who, and so you know, we recently we actually took a physics test yesterday. Mm -hmm. I can tell you confidently, I got a. 15 Ooh. on that test. Damn. I can cut. Well, that is, that's probably on me. I'm not going to lie to you. I did not prepare for this as well as I should have because I forgot we had the test yesterday. Yeah. So I remembered like Sunday, but I already have other things that I do on Sundays. Right. So I started studying Sunday ish, 
Monday-ish. I don't know. That that grade, that bad grade, that that's coming my way, and that's yeah. my fault. Like I, We can blame it on professors. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up, but I just I messed up on that test. I, but like, Good on you for taking accountability. <laughs> literally, I did not prepare for this yeah. very well, So, but I'm still going to be you know, upset if I fail, obviously. But yeah, I had I'm to doing with, good. I'm I had to withdraw okay from a statistics class this semester that I just have to take again because the instructor, I'd never taken a stats class before. The instructor was not a native English speaker and was teaching me statistics as if I already had a PhD in it. Oh, that's great. So I was teaching myself Are they new? entirely. Sorry? Are they a new teacher? No, they've been here forever. And they're, oh, okay. and they're the only person that teaches the class. Statistics? Yeah. Thank God I am not taking yeah, statistics. It's, it's ST371. And he's a great guy, mm-hmm. but not an awesome instructor in my opinion. Yeah. And so, you know, we pay these absorbent fees. I'm teaching myself statistics. Works for test one, test two. Test three comes along, and um, and I guess it just stopped working. Didn't put in any less work, but, it, you know, I just have to try again next semester with the knowledge I have this semester. How many tests are taken in the class? I like there's like three midterms in the final, but I bombed that test. <laughs> you you didn't do so hot in the third test. And I didn't do so hot on the first two either. Okay. So it, it, it's just like it was a waste of time and money. But I feel like if I had a, I, I'm a decent student. I feel like if I had a good stats professor, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. What are we paying for here? We're paying. You know, if is the game to pay twenty five thousand dollars a year for you even more. To suffer for four years and then to graduate with a piece of paper that is hardly applicable to the work in my field. I mean, that's that's kind of a terrible game. Education. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> that game kind of sucks. That's partly the reason. Uh, you know, I say I'm from I'm from Long Island, New York. Uh, my family's moving down here. Yeah. So we're moving this summer because of the fact that we're gonna save so much money. Yeah. <laughs> we can save so much money. So yeah, but we could talk about you know. So those are like that. So when I talk about. I'm, what, what I like to say is that student services is, is a bandit. Like NC State is bleeding. We're bleeding out. We have serious problems that need to be fixed. They are attempting to wrap up that, that injury with a Band-Aid called student services. Mm-hmm. They need to tie a tourniquet around academic services because that's where the problem is. Students are coming out of COVID with, to be honest, not great social skills, not great coping skills, and low resiliency to academic stress, especially because of how easy school was during oh COVID. yeah no my my gpa sophomore year our no maybe not sophomore year it was sophomore year or junior year i think it was it was 2020 mm-hmm. sophomore year i'm gonna say 2020 sophomore would have been sophomore year. yeah i'm gonna say sophomore year my my gpa sophomore year is 100.13 <laughs> yeah that would not have happened otherwise yeah. so whatever yeah. so the school needs to adapt mm-hmm it is not, a, you know, students need to adapt too. And like like we've been talking about, it is partially a cultural problem. We need to be more forgiving to ourselves. We need to be more understanding mm-hmm. that like, look, I failed this class. It's, it's not my life, the world. My life isn't over. You can take it again. You can take it at easier schools if you really need to. Yeah. It's, you'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be okay. Students need that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's 100% on the school, but right. it, it takes two. And the school will throw money into student services that frankly they're wasting right because student services is already so strong right they need students to use student services yeah take the money and get a professor that teaches the class well and you don't need a hundred counselors right like they've got (laughs) a very strong student services program 
do they know that students aren't using student services? Oh, the people in student services see it. No, they know for a matter of fact. Yeah. Right. Like I'm sure the the counselors and like the people in student services know, but do the the the, the board that decides where the school's money goes, well, where like, my hard-earned dollars head? Yeah, they know. They just are like, this is how we're going to solve the problem because they they don't want to change don't the academics. Don't want to change the academics, right? Yeah. Or so, they they're like, oh, of course it's working. Yeah. Mental health, student services. Oh my gosh. Perfect. And they they recently published the calendar. I'm sure you heard about this because everybody's talking about it with the new wellness days. Wellness days? I'm just going to say this now. This is very, this is probably going to get me like shot or something. No, no, no. Say it. I, I am a, not a fan of wellness days. I'm I hate either. them so much. They, for starters, they're on a Thursday, or at least they were. Mm-hmm. I think the new calendar has them on Tuesdays. I just like how I function, how I, how I roll as a student. Like I have mm-hmm. breaks that are longer than like just the weekend, mm-hmm. I can't do right. that because then because then I I go in full break mode. I whoop, brain is off, and now I have to come back and keep, mm-hmm. you know, doing stuff. Like heading into spring break, worst time to have tests ever. Literally the worst possible time to have tests. Mm-hmm. Plus, my spring break didn't line up with any of my friends' spring breaks. Yep, we started earlier. Mm-hmm. I think that's just like known for southern schools. Or is that specifically just here? Because I know, like, I have other friends that go to schools in North Carolina, Florida. They went back around the same time that I did. But their spring break was a week later. That's weird. That is weird. I don't know, but I just, like, the wellness days, especially on a Thursday, yeah. what are you doing? Give well, me a give me a three-day weekend, please. Well, well so when, when you closely examine the calendar they sent out, you you quickly realize that they have pulled the wellness days out of our reading days for finals. How, do you know that? That's reading days for finals. That's like like studying days. Mm-hmm. There's like supposed to be oh. a week of reading. They pulled the wellness. They pulled one of the wellness days out of the reading days. So that's you actually didn't do anything. That's awful. Like, like not only is the fall 2023. Yeah. And, yeah. So and, we've got first day of classes is August 21st. Wellness day September 19th on a Tuesday. I'd like to point out on. A Tuesday. Yep. What? Why? Why? Yeah, I don't know. I that's just, that's just throw so a, stupid. Throw one at the dartboard. Oh, Tuesday. And then right. in less than a month, fall break, mm-hmm. which is, you know, Monday, Tuesday. So it lets us have, like, they're going to have it on Tuesday. People are going to skip classes Monday. I mean, I definitely won't be. As my schedule is right now, I've got a lot on Monday. Yeah. Which is good. That's how I want it. But it, the wellness day just pushes everything back one day and actually makes it it we makes have, it makes more things fall on the same day and in my opinion does not help to do anything yeah except for make the work less spread out and more concentrated yeah that's during, what they during that's that, what that week did. like my physics class and my calc class both have homeworks due occasionally my calc class will have something on Monday or Thursday physics usually has both something due on Monday something due on Thursday you right. know generally mm-hmm. easy that's manageable and then we had a wellness day. On Thursday, everything was then pushed back to next Thursday. Mm-hmm. And the same deal for my calculus class. I had seven assignments due on one Thursday. One Thursday. I'm like, I did a few of them already. Right. So it wasn't terrible. But like still, that was ridiculous. It was seven assignments due on one day. Yeah. It was ridiculous. If you're going to put a wellness day on something, put it on a Friday, please. Or a Monday. Yeah. Like give us that extra day. Um. Because what do they think we're going to do on our wellness days? Like, I know some people, like, we've gone hiking in the past. Me, uh-huh. me, you, some of our friends, we've gone hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I spend my wellness day, if not hiking or, you know, actually have an opportunity to enjoy the wellness day. I spend my wellness day getting work done. Of course. So it's not really, it's not a wellness day. It's more of a catch up day. Uh-huh. And this is completely random, but I actually saw like on TikTok, this was years ago. This is before I, we even came here. This is like, I was junior year mm-hmm. and I saw somebody posted a TikTok. It was like a, a joke TikTok, like POV, NC State gives us a wellness day. It was somebody who goes, who probably might not still go to state, but they they went to state two years ago. They posted a TikTok. They said like, um, "Oh, what are you supposed to do with this?" Ha ha. And then it was like the funny. It was a funny sound or whatever it was. And then they, uh, it was like, "Oh, we're gonna get work done." Yeah. It's a nice working day. That's great. Yeah. Like, you know, NC State giving us wellness days. Like it's gonna solve our problem. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that's a funny joke." No. Yeah. It's no. not a joke. It still happens. And then I saw that two years ago. Right. So, you know, yeah, it, it it's just so they're going to give us a wellness day that most schools already do that, first of all. So it's mm-hmm. not anything impressive, um, especially on a Tuesday. Like, yeah. Come on. So do you want to talk about what I think the school? Well, we could talk about what other schools do, because mm-hmm. while I say that our student services are are sufficient enough and that we need to fix academic services, when you compare our student services to our counterparts in the ACC, which is our sports conference, mm-hmm. Um, they're actually still uh, lackluster. Um, So FSU is kind of, in my opinion, the golden standard. They have this thing called FSU Cares. And what we've been talking about, like people not having insight, people not being able to um, recognize that they need help or not having the strength to ask for help, FSU Cares starts all-inclusive support that comes to you at orientation, financial planning, mental health services, academic services, counseling, all of it all wrapped into one that they give to you. They force you to take it at least to a certain extent because they recognize that even though not everybody will ask for help, everybody needs help. Because you're, especially freshmen, are adjusting to such a big thing. That's what FSU does, um, and I think that they're the golden standard, but University of Miami and Pitt and Wake Forest do mental health fairs, mental health symposiums, healthy you, what matters to me, or what matters to you face-to-face, they go under different names, but basically what the schools do is they have events about mental health, visibility, and support. I don't think we've have we had any, and somebody that I talked to that I won't name their name was trying to get an event going in Tally and was told that they cannot use Tally for a mental health event. Specifically because it was a mental health event? Well, that doesn't really fit the Tally brand, I, I suppose. I don't, I don't know why, but, but they were trying to do something that was, in my opinion, pretty cool. And I won't mm-hmm. give out too many details because I don't want to get this person in trouble. But they, they were basically told, no, you can't do that in Tally. Tally is not for that. Tally is for, you know, Tally is for food and fun, and it isn't for mental health. Okay. It, like, it's stuff like that. Like, it's the culture at this school. It's right. the students. It's the faculty. If we're not willing to talk about this issue, if we're not willing to look it in the face and say, I got to stop this, nothing's going to happen. It's only going to get worse. And that's what's been happening. You know, not all of the 11 student deaths have been um, by suicide, but many of them have been drug related, which Mm -hmm. normally it's like something like 83 percent of um, drug users are comorbid with a um, with a mental health issue. And they're most of the time using it for self-medication mm-hmm. um, in that 83% statistic. So it's like, even though that isn't a suicide, it's still a mental health-related death right. most of the time. Mm-hmm. And and the school won't acknowledge that either. They call it an accidental death. Oh, yeah, I remember reading that email. Yeah, they, they will send out these emails. It is the most impersonal, 
inhumane thing. I mean, imagine, yeah, it 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 is the worst. Um, the school likes to think that they know everybody who knows the person. So what they do is they send crisis teams to like the residence hall that the person lived in, and they'll send a counselor to like each of the person's classes that they were in, like, and then that's it. That's the that is the um that yeah. is the uh, that is the support. And then they then they put out a poster that says, "Hey, come to this," or "Hey, come get counseling." Um, but you have to ask for it. And then the process to intake into counseling, you know what they call it? What? Triage. Who wants to go to triage? No one. Because triage, it's just such a terrible connotation of, like it's a word with a terrible connotation. Mm-hmm. I almost, w- when I did, started my intake process, that almost stopped me in my tracks, that word right there. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like for most people it probably does. What else could they call it? How about intake? How yeah. about support? Start. How about anything other than triage, which is when I think triage, I think like people dying on the battlefield of World War II. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we don't need to be using this kind of language. Mm. And that and that's part of the cultural problem, too. Like, we like we don't under, maybe, and maybe NC State needs to do a better job of like how to approach this, this issue. Should we send out, oh, or we'll send out an email where we, where we misgender someone after they died. Nice. That, that happened, too. Do you remember that? Uh, I think so. Yeah. So it, it's just like, it is just the most impersonal thing ever. It, yeah. The people in student services care immensely. They're great people. I have not met one of them who is not passionate about this issue and trying to do everything they can. The dollar signs and the reputation of this university is what's holding them back because mm. administration wants to keep the university growing quickly. They want to do an engineering expansion. They want to you know, m- m- turn NC State basically into the next MIT and they're... Why? I, there's I no reason for there's, that. There's MIT no. is MIT. You don't need to be MIT. That One of the reasons why I picked this school was because it wasn't an MIT. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I picked it because it was still a decent school mm-hmm. in a good area that I want to, you know, my family's moving to. So I'm sure there's, you know, good people around, whatever it is. Yeah. I got family in the state. I picked this school over another school because it didn't feel preppy. Right. It didn't feel like an MIT. Mm-hmm. The other school I was going to would look goes was also looking at is literally called RIT, Rochester, Rochester Institute of Technology in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. It's a great school. It really, really is. It's a private school. It's extremely expensive. I got a huge scholarship, but it still would have cost me more than here. Yeah. It's also a pretty big reason why I came here. It would have cost me less in the long run because we're moving. I want I I I like the environment here better. Yeah. I like the air felt more free. It felt more personal, it felt more informal. You know what I mean? Like I didn't it didn't feel like an institution. Yeah. It just felt like a a place. You know what I mean? It just felt like a place where I could go make friends, you know, get an education. It just it felt more friendly. Yeah, we're in we're we're a STEM school now. We're originally an agriculture school and actually Raleigh's like the number two best city in the country to live in. Why do we need to be MIT? We don't need we don't. to be. We really don't. Like the school is successful, incredibly successful. It really Our is. Our graduates are successful, incredibly Extremely. successful. How about instead of rapidly expanding the academics, reform the academics, make them a little bit more um, you know, palpable, make them a little bit more um accessible, bearable. bearable. Make them worth my money. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Worth my money. Come on. Yeah. Especially all the international students that come here. Oh, like I'm oh I'm out gosh. of state. It's yeah. not exactly international. Like, you know, I'm still from the US. So I can just 
I mean, theoretically, I could just go to a different school in the U.S. It'd be so easy. I could just transfer to my credit transfer, whatever, easy. The international students, and I have a lot of international friends who are here, um, but a lot of the international students, they pay the same rates that I do, but they come to, you know, the U.S., the, 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 the safe haven in the West, the U.S. They come to the U.S. to get an education. Honestly, I don't know how they pick, like, NC State. That seems kind of random yeah. for somebody coming from, like, you know, like India, coming from uh, Vietnam, Korea, whatever it is. It seems a little random, but it's a good school, so they pick it. And they come here, they pay the same that I do, and then, but they, they're, you know, much farther from home, much farther from their family, much farther from, you know, their home support, that kind of thing. So I, I don't know, I feel kind of bad for them because, like, I don't like looking at my tuition bill coming out. I'm sure they dread looking at their bill. Yeah. And then, it's just, it, yeah. It's been horrible. It's just been, uh, you know, we, we're both freshmen. You come to this university with, with expectations. You know what I mean? You, you mm-hmm. come with an idea in your head. And in many ways, the school has exceeded its expectations. Right. I love things like this. I love WKNC. Mm-hmm. I love the library and the tech lending program. I love the makerspace in my building. Yeah, I recently just found out about the makerspace. Like, I knew it was there, but I never went and actually checked yeah. You know what I mean? Like I never actually went and tried to look at the makerspace and I went in and I was like, wow, this is insane. Yeah. This is, and this, it's things like that, that sometimes I'm like, okay, wow. Okay. Like, have you been to hunt? Oh yeah. Hunt beautiful. is insane. Yeah. It's insane. And I'm like, I pay all this money and then I go and I see something, yeah. something that's like, oh, okay. Now I get why. Right. But then, but then, <laughs> But then we feel more like statistics than we do students. Yeah. The school is just using us to market itself and doesn't, in my opinion, part of my French, give a shit about us. Mm-hmm. They don't like they they will say that they do. And the people personally might. But the institution mm-hmm. does not care at all. And and that's where we are today. Like, that is why I'm here having this conversation with you and why I've been having these conversations. And I'm very grateful that you've had me on. Mm-hmm. And I would love, you know, keep going as long as possible. But, I mean, yeah, the, the, that is the crux of the issue, in my opinion, is that we are at an institution that is unwilling to change in a meaningful way. Yeah. And our students, which is the bread and butter of the institution, the reason why the institution, because, you know, you can have a thousand good professors. Right. You need good students to be successful. Yeah. You can have 30 6,000 new students, and you can take in a bigger freshman class so big that you have to 36, buy the— 36,000 new students? Or no, no, 36,000 undergrad. And oh, then, my God. And, <laughs> uh, that would practically double the size of the school. Oh, yeah, no, I misspoke. I apologize. That would be impossible. Are you kidding but, me? But the school's buying apartment buildings because they're taking in more people than, than are graduating because they're so rapidly— Like, why— Why can't they just say no to some people? Like, there are other colleges that probably well, need more students. Like— well, Just say no. So let's we'll talk more about statistics. That's what we feel. Thirty-four percent of students at NC State um, surveyed and by our student task force had said that they were dealing with some form of depression, and twelve percent had suicidal thoughts. And then, of course, we've had five deaths by suicide and 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 six additional accidental deaths on on campus. Oh, claimed year. accidental. Yeah, which school. which are mental health related, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. And then you're going to take on even more students. Like, you clearly can't handle the amount of students you have right now. What are you doing? Yeah. Fix your problem before you make it worse. Yeah. Even just for housing alone, 
Yeah. They that that whole housing raffle. I mean, like my situation was so totally my fault because. I didn't know that my time selection was on the day it opened. I thought my time selection was the day after mm-hmm. and that my friend's time selection was the day it opened. His was the day after. Mine was the day it opened. I could have gotten us into Wolf Village nice and easy. I forgot about that. Yeah. And I, I had the wrong time because I saw the time. I saw mine was 10 a.m. I saw his was 9 a.m. And we we're like, okay, cool. We'll go with his. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot to check the date. So that was just on me. But I know other people who... Like, even they're, like, sophomores, and they cannot find a place on campus. And Raleigh is so expensive. I don't even know what Raleigh's like because I just – I found a, I found a spot. I ran to Syme Hall. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Good. Yep. And I actually lucked out because I know people that live there now. I think one of them actually lives in the room we're going to be in next year. I was like, how is it? He goes, oh, I love it. Syme oh, is actually cool. really nice. Got some. We got a corner room too. Hooked oh, ourselves up with a nice corner room. So we got two windows. Room. Yes, sir. Ooh, two windows. That is nice. I'm excited for windows because in the Sullivan, in the front rooms, those windows, it's right on the balcony. So I have yeah. my my blinds closed all the time. Yeah, I can imagine. I don't need people like looking into my room as I walk by. Right. No, but they even then like they like uh, like Lewis. Yep. Got pushed off campus because they did not have enough on campus housing because. All the dorms filled up. Mm-hmm. All the dorms filled up, and they had to buy like six hundred rooms in University Towers, which is a which is a like separate apartment building. Yeah, I know. I started seeing UT as an option, <laughs> and I'm like, what? When? Since when was that an option? Yeah. Anyway, I was like, ah, that's so far. Anyway, I'm gonna stay on campus. I'm and fine. The, and then how much of how much are we paying as undergraduates for NC State to take on more people than they could handle and buy an apartment building? How much does that go into our fees? I'm sure it does to a certain extent. I would hope that it's not extra <laughs> with the amount well, that they have. They go, the fees go up every year, so it's kind of, yeah. Uh, Yay. Yeah. But what what if you want to start talking about the bare minimum solution? Yes. Um, We've talked a whole lot about the issue. Yeah. Talked a lot about the issue. It's very known that mm-hmm. I'm sure you know everything we've covered. I think we've I think we've covered quite good a good amount about the issue. Yep. Let's start turning it in on a more positive side, and let's start tackling the solution. Yeah. So we course. talk about we know what students can do. Let's 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 take a pick at administration. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Yeah, what do you think? What sort of steps do you think administration could take? And it, I'm not talking about like, oh, they could start reforming academics. I'm like, what about academics? Could they reform? Or like, what could administration, what kind of policies could they enact that kind of breaks down that, not exactly breaks down the bureaucracy because obviously you need some form of right. a, a governing body, you know, with any anything. But um, kind of enables the bureaucracy to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it actually lets them make change. Like, let's put some power steering on this cruise yeah. cruise ship. Let's let's sure. Let's make it turn. What yeah, do you think? Yeah, hundred percent. So what I what I would love to see from administration is for administration to start taking student input. They don't really. Um, they created a mental health advisory board, which I'm sure that as soon as we go a month without someone dying, it will be dissolved, and yeah. they will all paint. They will all pat themselves on their on their backs and give themselves medals and bonuses, because that is what happens in higher education institutions. I'm not impressed by a mental health task force at all. You know how many people are on the mental health task force? 25. 25, okay. Guess how many of them are mental health professionals? Mm, You have brought this up to me before, Uh and I remember the number, but I don't want to spoil it, so I'm going to pretend like I don't. I don't know, 18. Three. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 
It's three. And there's two That's students. That's terrible. Yep. So what other universities do, and I know this because I went to the ACC Leadership Symposium, which is how I got a lot of this information that I've been talking about, um, meeting with student leaders from across, you know, 15 schools, is that our student government is, of the schools that I talked to, probably the least involved in the administration process. We have basic, and we have student government and, you know, they are able to make their own rules and, you know, they have people in administration that, that listen to them. And our student body president has a seat on the um, on the chancellor's board of trustees, it's right? Mackenzie? Mackenzie, right. Mm-hmm. Evelyn. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't even know if I think he's doing a good job. I don't really like the people I don't even read his email. Exactly. The people at this school don't care about student government because it is not clear that student government does anything. And it's not clear that student government does anything because administration does not allow them to. They can put a, they can put on great events like um, the Pan Africa thing. Like I'm that was mainly started by student government. It was you know an idea that that grew and we've had a, a fantastic Pan Africa week where we've been able to celebrate diversity on campus. It's fantastic. But other universities, older universities, more prestigious universities in the ACC like Duke and Syracuse and Georgia Tech have student government advisory boards at every level of administration, and not just one person who has a seat at the table but several people who have a voice at the table. And it is written into their schools like constituting documents that this is the case. These schools have good programs and have no suicides, um, I, at least none that I know of and none that they knew of. Now, obviously, that's a correlation, and we can't say that that's necessarily a causation, but I think it'd be a great place to start, start actually like listening to student input and honestly force them to take it. I and think if this, that would be important, yes. Yeah, and if the students are wrong, let them be wrong and, uh-huh. and try another solution, but at least you tried something. Right. It's better than throwing money, throwing money into our already pretty good student services that just I mean, you doesn't got, really go many places. The people that are, on, that are making these high-level decisions are old and went to college for basically free. They have no idea what it's like to be a student today. No clue. How can All they, they make decisions for All they know is how big our wallets theoretically mm-hmm. Are. can be stretched yeah. and then all the, and then their main intention is to promote their main intention is number one to promote the image of the university and that does not include talking about suicide mm-hmm. their second intention is to milk money out of alumni from the university oh I, extremely i always see a whole bunch of old people coming in they're like wow look at this dining hall i'm like i know that fountains spruce things up just for you yeah i can tell when they have alumni in. i don't even need to see any old people I just know when they have alumni. They have got the the, the salad baskets are better. The the pizza uh-huh. areas like got like clean. a mat there. Yeah, it's clean. <laughs> the food is just better. The gr- Personally, I think they yeah. should have alumni more often. I love that kind of food. It's eatable. Yeah, edible. My God, edible. I mean, who cares? <laughs> but yeah, it it it's just there's a disparity between you know how much administrators might personally care because they could tell you that they care all day. Frankly, I don't care that you care. I want to see you do something. Right. I want to show I, me that you like, care. Don't I, just say. I want you to address the issue as the emergency that it is, and right. not an issue. Right. Because it isn't an issue. It is an emergency. It mm-hmm. is. It is critical. And if this problem continues next year, which I'm sure it will, because mm-hmm. they haven't done anything, it definitely will. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep whining like this. But it. it <laughs> I mean. Like, what in the world? I'll tell you what, as long as the problem continues, this university won't see a cent from me. 
I mean, you can try that, but I don't yeah. know how that's gonna work. Oh, I mean, I mean, in terms of like after I graduate. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That was that's a good distinction to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Obviously, think, I have to keep paying, but yeah, right. You got to pay to be at the school. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm not really planning on. And they'd be like, "Oh, look, you're an alumni. Pay some money." I'm like, "No, no." And then, what did you do for me while I was a student, other than take my money and trade it for a piece of paper? Yeah, that's what. That's how I. I this this experience this year. I'm. Sh- tell me how you feel. It feels very transactional to me. Yeah, a little bit. I was just looking at like taking summer classes here. The in-state rate's not so bad, but for out-of-state, it was going to cost me about ten grand just to take six credit hours. Yeah, you guys can't. Just already ridiculous. Wild. So I'm. I'm probably not gonna. <laughs> I think I might not do six, any credit hours over the summer. Yeah. Well, are you able to do the the community college thing? I probably can. Yeah. I might just enroll in a community college back home mm. over the summer. See if that yeah, don't can transfer, but I don't know. Don't. I actually started looking up a few colleges. I don't think they take any. Like I, I knew, I know of a few community colleges near me. And I looked up, like, do they allow that? Because they, you know, I emailed my advisor. He's like, yeah, we have a website that'll tell you exactly what schools have equivalent courses that we accept. And I'm like, that's amazing. Thank you. And then I went to do that, and I looked up the community colleges that I at least know of off the top of my head. They didn't take them. I didn't have an equivalent course, so I was like, "Oh, that's that sucks." Oops. Yeah. Well, but that's just I don't another. Know. I'll find something. Another day. If I can apply to this school, I'm sure I can apply to a community college nearby, like like Wake Tech or I don't know Rockingham County, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'll figure something out. Yeah. But and that was ten grand for six credit hours. But it's oh, it's over the summer. So why? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. Money grab because it's higher education. You know, obviously. Education to the name. The whole purpose is to educate people, mm-hmm. but it's a business. It's, Higher yeah. education is a hundred percent a business. And we're at a public school. This is a corporation. <laughs> yeah, it feels. This that is way a for corporation sure. that has employees. I am an employee of the school. I feel that way. Technically, yeah, I'm. I'm an employee of a school run organization, WKNC. Like this is why. I don't know. It's ridiculous. Like I have, yeah, I've got the access to the uh, school employee. Mm-hmm. Web page, whatever it is, they this is a business. Yeah. It is a hundred percent a corporation. And we all know how corporations act in regular society. That's right. Money, money, money. That's how they act in society. Why would they do anything different in a school? Yeah. Because it it's a it's a society, it's a community, it's a population, it's people you have to govern and now they just want money in their pockets. Yeah. And and you and I both, we're not saying that the school shouldn't be rigorous. Right. We're saying it should be fair and human. <laughs> I love I love going to my classes and seeing the robots in front of me looking through slides. Yeah. It's great. It's yeah. awesome. It's like I could have read off so the slide my by money. myself for free. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Could have watched the some guy on YouTube tell me all about this. In fact, Khan Academy taught me Calc three, no offense. Honestly I might need to start using Khan Academy because the <laughs> second calc test for me didn't go so hot. Yeah, it's not going to go so hot because also, like, we could talk about this too, but there's, it seems like there's not much oversight on the instructors. Like, I had a, especially you see it with the graduate students, it is entirely up to how much the graduate student cares and is willing to donate their time to the class. Because yeah. like we've talked about, they're, they're not compensated well. So a lot yeah. of the interclasses that we talk about are taught by graduate students, especially in, like, um departments that are not as big intro like physics and mm-hmm. chemistry they're taught by grad students and your experience in that class is entirely dictated 
by how much the grad student wants to help you. Yep. And they have no incentive really to do it, to do anything yep. other than the, the kindness in their heart and if they're able to donate time. Right. My calc recitation, the, the grad student that does my calc recitation, usually she's pretty good. Um, but sometimes she just says, like, she'll, I'll ask her how to do an example. And now she's going through the example, but she says, do you need me to, to work this out? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she yeah. goes, she literally says, like, do I really have to work this out, guys? Can you just figure this out? I'm like, I know that's, I'm, I'm asking you because I don't know how to work it out, actually. So this is the that, rest, this is the problem session. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the, the rest of, rest stations, problem session. So yeah. you're supposed to be working, working out the problems. Uh-huh. And she's still, she will say frequently, like, do you guys really need me to work this out? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I do, actually. That's why I'm here asking you about it. So mm-hmm. please do me a favor. Yeah. Just this one question is all I ask. And and like we've kind of been talking about, underpaying grad students, underpaying facilities worker, underpaying uh, entry-level professors, the bad mental health that's coming with these people putting in so much work because simply they care and not being compensated well trickles down through things like that. Yeah. And and that that's also what I talk about when I say academic services needs reform. Like pay our teachers. Yeah, pay them well. I want you're to telling be paid me well. there isn't a shred of my tuition that goes into paying. Like can just just give some give a raise to some yeah. teachers. You know what I mean? Just just, just compensate our like, educators a little bit more. Like, look, if I have to, I'll take a hundred dollar extra fee to pay the instructors well because uh, maybe yeah. maybe they'll instruct. Right. Instead of just reading off a slide. Actually, my regular <laughs> calc professor is pretty good. Like you'll get okay. a professor yeah, yeah. who's pretty good about but it's it. But just out of the kindness of their heart more than anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. They just have access to a textbook that I need to pay for, which is stupid. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. I did that that in itself is dumb. Yeah. But And then the professor writes the textbook. <laughs> in the you, yeah. you paid that yeah. eighty dollars. The E one oh one textbook I had to pay for. It was yeah. only fifteen dollars, so it wasn't so bad. Yeah. But she wrote the textbook. My teacher wrote the textbook for that. And I didn't use it once. Yeah. So. Did not use it once. Um, but um Yeah, so that's basically um that's basically where I've been at. Right. Uh so Caden, excellent discussion we've had. Absolutely amazing. I'm so I'm really looking forward to getting this episode out there. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, but what I wanted to say, kind of just to leave off, is that you know we've been having this great conversation, but that what all we can really do is have conversation, learn from each other, and and just have the conversation enough time. And so, if you are a student who is passionate about this issue, talk about it. Talk to somebody. Reach out to people if you think that they need help. If you have the strength to talk, you also have the strength to listen. Be a resource. Do what you can. Everybody is struggling with this. And it, it's up to us, really, to fix it. Because if we just sit idly by, the school will do nothing until we forget about it. Powerful stuff, Caden. Definitely. I hope, I hope people hear this. I hope people hear this. This has really been eye-opening for me. I really hope that it does what my show intends to do and provokes thought amongst anybody that really listens to it. Thank you. But very insightful, um, very powerful stuff. Thank you so much. And complete change of tone, but uh, thank you to JT Suttick and Moving Boxes for providing with us with some amazing intro and outro music. <laughs> amazing intro and outro music. Uh, if you want to 
catch them, you can check them out on Instagram at movingboxesband, all lowercase, all one word, at movingboxesband. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, I know it was a longer episode, but this is an extremely important topic that needs to be spoken about, needs to be acted on. As Kaden was saying, help people. If you be a resource, you know, if you have a voice, use it. Uh, be there for your friends, be there for others. Big change needs to happen. And as the students of this school, we are the agents of that change. And we need to make it happen. Let's turn this, let's turn this big ship around, like the uh, the people in the student service center were saying. Let's turn the ship around. Let's get back on track. And let's, you know, improve uh, our school as a whole. Uh, but if you enjoyed, I know, again, I know it was a longer episode, but if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned for more WKNC's Brain Trust content, you can check us out at wknc.org forward slash podcasts. That's wknc.org forward slash podcasts with an S. I want to thank you all for listening. Stay well. Stay well.